Uh, Pete the Vet joins us from Brave Vet Old Connor. Hello to you, Pete. Good morning, Dr. Good morning. Uh, so, uh, things good? Great, great. I was down in Gorey at our new clinic for the first time. Oh, don't this go week. on about that. We don't want to know about that. It it's was great. I tell you, it was great fun. It's a whole new hinterland. <laughs> you, know you're, you know you're in a new location when you can't spell people's addresses because you've never heard of them before. But I'm learning fast. Very good, okay. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Uh, well, the best of luck with it. Anyway. Thank you very much. Now then, um, we spoke about this before, but it might be worth just highlighting again, right? Mm-hmm. And it is an article that was in the Independent in uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. And it is to do with food standards. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, uh, it came out on the back of a news item that said that the US and the UK were getting together to um, you know, do a special trade deal and uh, the UK be able to import all their food and all that sort of stuff. And I think as as I've told you before, I think that's a disaster um, for food standards um, because of our common border with uh, the UK about the north and uh, food could come from um, the UK, which is originated in America, where they don't have as, as high standards as the, as the EU, and leak in here. Anyway, um, this article said Brexit. Theresa May warned that slashing food standards to win US trade deal could spell disaster for farmers. So even the farmers in the UK are worried. Yes, it's, it's a very interesting time because, you see, up until now, um, because the UK has been part of Europe, they've been forced to comply with European food standards, and in particular animal welfare standards. And European animal welfare standards are very high. Um, a lot of folk don't realise this, but, um, you know, um, there are regulations in place to ensure, essentially, that animals have lives worth living. And that most of the rest of the world doesn't have those standards. I don't know if you've ever been into American supermarkets, um, Declan, when you've been on holidays over there. Have you ever been into any? I have, yeah. Right. So the, the peculiar thing is that the, the, the shelves, the refrigerator shelves are stacked high with meat. But you'll find in one little corner, there's a section which says, there's a smaller volume of meat and it says, hormone-free, antibiotic-free meat. A small section. <laughs> Now, in in our country, it's all hormone-free, antibiotic-free, because that's the regulations. And so, um, and that's not even starting to get into animal welfare. In in the States, the whole thing is different. Um, they, they, the tendency is to see animals as essentially automatons who produce, who, who, who basically are fed uh, high-density food, they grow quickly, they're slaughtered, and there's no attention given to the fact that they're individual sentient beings. So it's an entirely different attitude towards animals. So cattle are kept in big food lots, um, pigs are kept in really intensive uh, concrete yards, farming is done in a way which isn't done over here, and which farmers in this part of the world wouldn't be happy with doing. Um, Ireland in particular still has great traditional farming techniques in the most part. I was talking to a farmer from Wicklow just last week and he was telling me how he keeps a hundred suckler cows um, so he produces around a hundred um, calves every year. He keeps them on his farm, he rears them right through to, to, to their, their fat and they're ready to be slaughtered then he takes them to the slaughterhouse in groups of between six and eight in, in a trailer himself and he goes to a particular slaughterhouse which he likes because he's 
He's seen how the animals are treated. They're treated very gently and very well. The layout has been organised by um, a long template of somebody called Temple Grandin, who is a, um, a woman who has uh, transformed, really, slaughterhouse design so that um, the, the runways are organised with kind of bends and um, lighting so that animals move forwards without feeling anxious and that when, they, when, when they're actually stunned, they have no knowledge of this being about to happen. So this Wicklow farmer is clear that the animals he rears have really good lives, very natural lives, if you like, um, the way that they're, they're being uh, designed to have. You know, it fits in with their mentality, if you like. And they, <clears throat> they're reared, they're slaughtered, and uh, um, the meat costs a little more than, than, than the, 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 the cheapest meat in Ireland, but um, it's really good quality. Now, if what happens is, if, if we in, in Ireland are forced to um, accept imports via the UK of meat that's been done in the uh, most mass-produced, cheapest possible way in, from other countries, such as the US, then it's going to be very, very hard for my farmer friend in Wicklow to compete. Because instead of his meat being just a little more expensive, his meat might cost, I don't know, twice the price of mm. a cheap import. Well, according to this article in the uh, UK Independent, slashing food regulations in order to strike a quick trade deal with Washington would spark a race to the bottom for welfare standards, says the report by a House of Lords committee. Such a deal could also undermine the sustainability of the industry. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Making UK farmers farmers uncompetitive against cheap imported food produced without the same rules of quality. The stark warning comes after Liam Fox, who is the International Trade Secretary in the UK, mocked fears about the sale of chlorine-soaked chickens in Britain after Brexit, describing the prospect as, well, it's a detail. Speaking in Washington, Mr Fox confirmed a cabinet split, dismissing protests that US farmers use the chemical washes to make up for the inadequate hygiene on farms and abattoirs other concerns around US practices such as the use of hormones in beef and growths genetically modified crops so mm. there's a lot that they do differently in the United States I mean I don't know how healthy or unhealthy it is but um, I like it the way it is here <laughs> yes uh, I mean I think Ireland in particular is a is an island of t traditional farming, and there's a lot that's good about that. Um, the other thing that's been in the news this week has been mega farms, which are uh, where you have, like, you know, tens of thousands of pigs and poultry and cattle kept indoors, so they never go outside, um, and um, they're, they're just... They're just numbers on a massive unit. And people in favour of those say, well, look, it's, it's fine because you can, you can organise everything perfectly for them because you've got an economy of scale, you can get a vet for every 500 animals, whatever, and you can make sure that, that they're having great lives. But it, it just, I find it unnerving to think about such high volumes of, of animals in such an artificial situation. It'd be like battery hens, would it? Like battery, well, not quite, not so much battery hens, more those intense ones in, in big barns, you know, where they're all crammed up to one another. So, so they, they, they're, not, they're not enclosed by a, a cage, um, but they're enclosed by the fact that they're surrounded by thousands of others uh, in, a very, in, in very close proximity to one another. Um, I mean, it's, it's undoubtedly efficient, but something is lost along the way, I'm sure. There aren't any mega farms in Ireland yet, and I, uh, I don't know if they'll come this way, but they just seem to be starting up in the UK. And um, as, as, as you've pointed out, the, the big argument is that it makes cheaper meat. But I think we should be asking ourselves, do we, do we need meat to be cheaper at that cost, at the cost of animal welfare? 
and at the cost of you know possible um, health implications for us as well because of um, you know we don't really want to have meat soaked in chlorine do we? <laughs> it doesn't really it's not what we want to be eating Indeed, and the, the the danger is that it comes in from the north, but I'm sure the Northern Irish farmers are not very happy about this either. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I, you really have to have farmer organisations comment on these types of things because I'm very aware that I'm not at the coalface. I don't, I don't know what's happening on the ground. Um, and, you know, there are farmers who are investing in, in building businesses and, and some of them want to have more intensive um, setups and because they're, on the face of it, they're more efficient. Um, but I, I think being governed by price is dangerous. Um, if you think about it, the other aspects of our lives where we don't allow price to be the sole factor. Think about cars. You're not allowed to produce cars that are unsafe. Human safety has to be built into them. Um, and I mean, we just have that as an absolute uh, it's a line in the sand that we have as far as many things in, in our world. Many things that, uh, I mean I suppose from furniture to um, cars to um, any object for sale essentially has to be safe for humans to use. So I think we should have a similar line in the sand for animal welfare. That yes, you can have f- efficient, um, uh, cost-effective meat production, but animal welfare should be a line in the sand, and the line should be that animals should have lives worth living. And, and if they don't have lives worth living, then you shouldn't be allowed to produce them, and you shouldn't be allowed to sell that meat um, on the UK Irish market. Um, Do you know that 80% of the milk produced by dairy cows in the world, 80% of those cows never see daylight. They're indoors the whole time. People don't think that. They think about cows out grazing in a field with a sun on their backs and all that sort of stuff. And that is the case in Ireland, but around the world, most cows are indoors, just being used as machinery to produce milk. So... Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much indeed, Pete. Was there something else on your mind? Just you mentioned yeah, something just, coming was, in the door there. I was very sad, and I'm not sure if you've mentioned this already yet. It's very sad to hear about the passing of Ken Duff, who's a very well well known publican in Bray. Um, he he he's the um, proprietor of Duff's Bar, which is on the main street there in Bray, um, and. Uh, Ken, Ken was very supportive, especially of cycling and Bray Wheelers, um, and he was um, involved in the visits of the Tour de France to, to, to Bray. I remember uh, that, yeah. He yeah. had his whole windows decked out at That's the time. Right, and, everything, yeah. Yeah. and he was he was a lovely, he's a charming, um, classical type of barman who always insisted on making you take a seat and he'd bring your drinks to you on a, on a, on a tray, and there's always a bit of a smile and a bit of banter, and... Um, I just, I, I, I like going to Duff's, but I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm going to feel so sad going back there because Ken's not with us anymore. It's very sad. And my, my sympathy to his family and, and friends. And here, here, um, mm. uh, an iconic bar in Bray and a certainly iconic family as well. And from what you say, a lovely man as well, mm-hmm. running us in the traditional style. Mm. Okay, sympathy to his family and friends. Thanks very much indeed, Pete. Thanks, sir. And if you want to uh, have a listen again, uh, Pete's website is petethevet.com. Petethevet.com. Pete Weatherburn from Bray Vet at Old Connor in Bray. Thanks, big. Thank Good morning you. to you.